Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I'm joined by PR Week's editor-in-chief, Danny Rogers. Hi, Frankie. And UK editor, John Harrington. Hi, Frankie. Hello to you both. Well, I can hardly believe it. We started Beyond the Noise last May with the PR Week Top 150. And here we are again with the Top 150 for 2023. I don't know about you both, but I feel like this year has flown. And my, what a year it has been. The industry and the world has had to navigate some monumental challenges as it dealt with the fallout of the Ukraine war, which has precipitated a devastating energy and cost of living crisis, all happening whilst we were all still dealing with the fallout of COVID and Brexit. We had our shortest ever serving prime minister who nearly crashed the economy in 49 days. ESG has suffered a massive backlash. The climate crisis has worryingly been pushed into the shadows and AI has most certainly arrived with many of us trying to figure out if that is a good or bad thing. So in the context of all these global mega trends and issues, let's get into the detail of the top 150. So first you, Danny, the big story this year still seems to be continued growth for the industry and, and the industry really does seem to be in rude health. Has that surprised you? Uh, yes, it has surprised me. I mean, the top 150 is our biggest project of the year on PR Week. It's always uh, a really enjoyable and fascinating time to cover the industry because it's the biggest report that exists on the consultancy sector anywhere in um, corporate affairs and brand PR and public affairs and so on. And the results are very good for most sectors this year. I mean, the overall industry growth is more than 15% on last year, which is pretty tremendous. I mean, we had a big rise last year, which was 2021 figures, and that was largely a bounce back from the post-pandemic uh, drop. But this year, 15% is is pretty huge. I mean, it's as, it's as large as going back to the mid-2000s, 
it hasn't grown, the PR industry, apart from the bounce back year, hasn't grown by that much since the mid 2000s, certainly since the the financial crisis in the end of the 2000s. Extraordinary results. I mean, who do you think are the real star performers and why? Well, pretty much every sector is on the up. Corporate affairs and um, financial agencies have done particularly well. I mean, we're seeing growth rates of 20 plus percent, even some of the big financial agencies. So that's tremendous growth. I mean, people like FGS, um, FTI, uh, even Brunswick, who are now a hundred million pound agency in the UK, they grew by 8% last year. So the big corporate agencies are growing very, very well. Edelman, which is the the world's biggest PR agency, as you know, has also grown by 16%, which is pretty tremendous for an agency of that size. Hill and Knowlton, 17%. Uh, these, are, these are big figures for big agencies. And some of the mid-sized agencies have grown by even bigger percentages. Um, you've got Axon Communications growing by 29%, Finn Partners by 41%. Uh, and some of the smaller agencies, of course, have, grow- have grown enormously, but then it's, it's easier to grow by a big percentage on a smaller fee. But throughout the table, we're seeing star performers at all levels. So, John, what do you think are the key trends that's really driving this growth? And is it very much... Do you think on the back of COVID, when it really felt like the PR industry was being much more respected um, at the C-suite level, we're also dealing with permacrises and actually maybe that's playing to the strengths of the industry and, and the inherent need of it within a business. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's a combination of those things. I definitely think that during COVID, the industry as a whole really showed its value to so many organisations and that hasn't reduced. And Correspond, a sort of corresponding trend is the diversification of services that so many agencies have put in place during the COVID period and since. And things like, as you talk about the, per, the perma crisis, the cost of living crisis, um, uh, war, political turmoil, and so on. There are so many more um, things that PR agencies can do that clients want. And we saw it actually last month with our project on what clients want from agencies that actually as in-house teams, corporate affairs teams and so on, are expanding what they do. They're looking for extra services from PR agencies. And I think a lot of the smart agencies are those that are able to add those services and really focus, have a really kind of razor sharp focus on what the clients want and bring in those people or in some cases, you know, make acquisitions and so on in order to fulfill those needs. Just to add to that, I think what's interesting is that the industry is getting more specialist, as, as John says. So even if you're a, your specialism is corporate and financial, you've done very well. Public affairs agencies have done very well. Some of the smaller specialists in niches like sports and entertainment have really bounced back uh, travel as well since the pandemic. So it feels to me like the industry is growing up in the sense that being a generalist is good, but you also need to be a multi-specialist. And is there possibly also a trend around higher value consultancy, given all of the you know issues and all of the key things that clients are now having to navigate, whereas before the industry was maybe dominated more by media relations and more kind of junior level skills, that actually now this is where we're really starting to see both the value and therefore the financial impact and therefore the growth within the industry. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, I, you definitely see more agencies move towards talking about being rivals of the big management consultancy firms and so on, the 
but the, the sort of C-suite advisory kind of move has, has been around for a few years. And I definitely think that's been accelerated. And I think issues like, oh, you mentioned ESG in the, in the introduction. And I think there are so many consultancies that are focusing on ESG as being a really important part of what they do because so many corporations absolutely have to focus on it. So I do think that that has kind of accelerated the trend that you talk about. So Danny, looking also at the table around organic and uh, acquisition, are there any kind of key trends there that are also driving growth? Well, it's very difficult to actually distinguish between organic and acquisitive growth these days because there's so much activity at every level in terms of restructuring, developing and buying in new smaller agencies or, or new skills. In general, I would say we've seen both organic and acquisitive growth in 2022, which is why it's been such a, a stellar year for the industry. I mean, some agencies such as Brunswick, they've merged in their sort of consumer promotion arm, Cantos. So that's given them a boost. Um, there's, there's a few examples of people adding in specialisms. So John, have you seen any trends or any differences also between the large agencies and what we often call the squeezed middle? Yeah, but it's interesting. In the last few years, you know, it, it used to be a case that the larger agencies, the sort of the, the top 50, if you like, would grow at a slower rate than the top 150 overall. And that generally the smaller agencies, the sort of the 101 to 150 would grow fastest because they're growing from a, from a smaller base. Um, but what we've really noticed is those agencies in the middle are growing almost as fast now as the smaller agencies. Which no is, longer squeezed, maybe? They're not, they're no longer squeezed, no longer squeezed. It's literally just a couple of, um, well, not even a percentage point behind in terms of how, how fast they've been growing. And I think this comes back to the points we were talking about earlier when it comes to diversification. I think, you know, they've moved from being the squeezed middle into being kind of maybe the right size in a way, because it seems like they've got enough of a scale to add services as clients want them, as clients ask them, and in some cases make acquisitions and kind of bolt on new specialisms. Um, but at the same time, they're probably more nimble in many ways than the large agencies that might have a slightly more complicated structure. Growth in the sort of mid-tier was 21.1% um, in 2022. And in the sort of the smaller agencies was 21.6. So hardly any difference at all. Yeah. So Danny, any agencies really standing out for you, especially in that, that middle tranche? I think one interesting story is some of the small to mid-sized consumer shops like Cow, John Doe, Tin Man, they've grown by close to 50% a year. So although consumer PR hasn't had a stellar year, some very creative consumer shops have actually done extremely well. I mean, Tin Man uh, have won a lot of awards this year. They won Virgin Atlantic, for example, about a year ago. Uh, John Doe appears to be back. And Cow, I mean, with uh, Mark Perkins in there as creative director, well, I uh, mean, they seem to have a bit of a renaissance as well. Looking at the news across the acquisitions, I don't know about you, but I, I just have a sense that Organic has done very well. And therefore, I would say that puts the industry in a much stronger position. Well, it's made agencies um, much more likely to be sold. You know, there are so many investors that want to invest in this industry because it's growing organically. And it's not just trade acquisition. I mean, you look at the number of private equity buyers um, in, in the PR industry in the past, say, year and a half or so. There's been a lot of people making those investments. Um, and actually, you had the news about um, FGS not that long ago. So this is an industry on the up. And yeah, on the one hand, you get trade buyers who want to improve their services, but you also get outside investors that want to want to want a piece of it. 
And actually, if you look back over the last few years, there hasn't been quite the level of M&A consolidation I would perhaps have expected mm. in the industry. So yeah, there have, there have been interesting acquisitions, there have been interesting mergers, but it hasn't been massive. So looking at I feel bad calling them out, but the 10 agencies that possibly didn't do so well this year, which really isn't many really in the scope of 150. John, are there any trends around those particular agencies that we can see? I mean, we all have a bad year sometimes. There can be a client that you know comes to a certain end of a relationship and so forth, and that's just the way things go. But are there any key trends that you can see within those 10? Yeah, well, I think firstly, kudos to agencies that give their figures if they do have a decline. Um, I think that that shows, you know, they're taking this in the right spirit because you're completely right. You know, any agency could have a decline in one year or sort of um, growth could slow. It is the sort of the the, the way things are, particularly if you're going to be running a business for a long time. Um, what we've noticed, as you say, there are, there are 10 agencies in the top 150 this year that had decline. I think it's safe to say six of them were consumer specialists and the others have significant consumer revenue. Um, and I think it's worth talking about consumer, actually, because... Although I agree there's not there's no sector in the industry that has done terribly at all, I think that there are some signs that sort of consumer has been more challenging. I mean, it stands to reason really with the cost of living crisis and the sort Absolutely. of squeeze on consumer spending yeah. that this is going to be the case. I mean, having said that, there are quite a few agencies that are consumer agencies that have managed to sort of pick things up and grow quite quite well. And we've And are they this, possibly more diversified than others? They might be. Mm. Um, or they might just have grabbed um, work from some of the other agencies that managed to lose them. They might have just been slightly ahead of the ball in some senses. Um, it could be a number of things like that. But it does feel like this was a slightly more challenging part of the market. I mean, it's really not surprising, is it? I mean, we did some pretty punchy podcasts last year, didn't we, talking to agency heads and so forth. And there was real anxiety in the room, wasn't there, especially around the sort of September time about what we were facing as everybody was planning their budgets for the following year, really thinking, what is this year going to look like? I mean, we just... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It was just impossible to see at this at that point, wasn't it? So I think to only have seen a bit of a dip in consumer is is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I think so. And as I say, it, it, it can be exaggerated. I mean, last year we looked at issues of, in the case of a downturn, is there an argument to say consumer PR might increase because people move from straight advertising to you know better value PR services? We've probably seen a bit of that as well, to be honest, but we can't ignore the fact that consumer spending is in a, a difficult time. Also, I wouldn't say that we've seen a dip in consumer PR. We've just seen a slowdown compared with other sectors. Right. So 
we wouldn't see 15% aggregate growth across the top 150 if there'd been a dip in consumer uh, PR spend. So I think, you know, the, the real story is that corporate affairs and public affairs has absolutely been flying. Pharmaceuticals been flying. Tech actually did pretty well considering all the turmoil on the global tech market. So, you know, consumer probably hasn't been as strong as some of those other niches or specialisms, but it hasn't been bad. And that's why we're seeing this growth. And as you say, I think we are seeing a cost of living crunch on everyone. Absolutely. So looking to next year, any key trends that you can see, Danny? I know it's really hard to see, but do you think it's more of the same? I think it's a really good question. Are we going to see 15% growth in 2023? I think it's unlikely. I think that was a pretty stellar year last year for the PR industry. To grow by another 15% would be pretty incredible. And as we've already said, you've got a cost of living crisis. You've got a bit of a margin squeeze as well on agencies at the moment. So it's quite difficult to find that money to invest to grow, perhaps at that level. Talking to PR agency bosses in the industry, people are finding it tougher this year. Certainly the first half of this year, it's been a bit more of a struggle. So I don't think we're going to get maybe double digit in the first six months of the year. Who knows what the second half of this year has got to uh, got to bring us. It's interesting because I think it was the second half of the year that everybody was feeling more confident about, weren't they? Because obviously that was when we predicted that inflation was going to come down and it was feeling that there were more warmer mutterings from the Bank of England. Um, But it's still, we're definitely not out of the woods, are we? That's true. And you look at some of the, actually last month we had the Q1 results from the big holding companies. And this pointed to this, um, what you're saying, Danny, really. If you look at the sort of comparative growth in the PR um, parts of these big holding companies, it was definitely slower, like significantly slower. And interestingly, WPP, um, they pointed out that um, FGS Global was, had a pretty strong quarter. It's obviously corporate financial. Um, but some of the other agencies that are more um, focused on consumer had a weaker period. So I think that that taps into a lot of what we've been saying, really, that this this is a, a difficult time. Having said that, generally, the holding companies seem to be fairly bullish that they're going to reach their overall targets for the year. But obviously, that's that goes way beyond just the PR side. Um, but maybe there is a bit of optimism generally in the global picture. But it's definitely a challenging period. I've got a sense that perhaps some of the trends we've been seeing are going to continue as well. I think um, tech will continue to slow down uh, this year. I think even healthcare, though it always grows well, possibly will will continue to slow. I can't see consumer picking up enormously. However, areas that we've talked about as real drivers of growth, like ESG, purpose, areas you know a lot about, Frankie, they still feel pretty buoyant to me. Well, I mean, there's such a complexity of issues around that that are only going to get deeper, quite frankly. So I can imagine that's definitely going to be a space that's going to grow. I also think, you know, the industry's got to focus on AI. We've been writing about this quite a lot recently, and this goes beyond these figures. But let's face it, this is this is an obsession of a, a lot of big corporations at the moment. And a lot of big agencies and holding companies have been looking at it. You know, um, WPP last week just said they think it's going to be fundamental to their business um, in their Q1 results. So, you know, I think the industry can look at this as an opportunity as well as potentially a threat. That's probably a discussion for another day. But there are a lot of there are a lot of opportunities out there, I think. 
So John, turning to how agency bosses are feeling about this year, it seems that there's a growing level of pessimism. Yeah, that's true. One of the questions we ask um, the agencies is how confident they are that 2023 will be a better year of trading than 2022. Um, I mean, what we found was around 12% were not confident that the year would be uh, better. It might not sound like many, but when we asked the same question last year, it was about 1%. So there is there is that underlying sense of that there is more pessimism out there. And actually, some of the quotes that we were given point to that. Uh, you know, a lot of the agencies highlight the cost of living crisis, of course, consumer confidence, um, continuing issues around Brexit uh, and political instability and so on. So, you know, while there are a lot of opportunities, there are clearly um, a lot of a lot of concerns. There's a good comment here from WPR, which which promoted cost of living recession, impact of Brexit on everything and the Muppets in charge of the country, as the agency put it. Um, people talk about looming in se- uh, recession, continuing inflationary pressures and so on. Um, and then obviously you have specific sectors, uh, tech, for example. The tech agencies um, generally did okay, as we sort of mentioned in 2022. But clearly what's been happening since has been concerning for, for many. So I do think there are concerns about these headwinds, and I, I, that's definitely reflected in the figures that we have. Well, I think the systemic issues that are driving, you know, some of these trends that don't seem like they're going away. And I think definitely with the Bank of England, we thought you know inflation was coming down, then we suddenly had another interest rate, didn't we? And it's sort of the predictions seem to be moving in the wind, as it were. And I think it's incredibly difficult now to plan as a business. It's really, really hard to see too far ahead. But again, the confidence should be that agencies are needed more than ever in this very complex time by their clients. So, Frankie, as an experienced agency boss yourself, do you agree that 2023 is looking more pessimistic than last year did? I can totally understand why agency bosses are feeling the way that they are. I mean, we've got a headcount, you've got people to look after, staff to look after. You know, it's the biggest responsibility in the world, really, isn't it? And I think when you don't have the comfort of really being able to see the future and knowing how all of these different systemic issues are going to come together and on the back of covid and brexit and the government i mean it's we all know that it's a revolving door of issues isn't it really so i can understand being in a place of pessimism because really looking at the world right now there isn't a huge amount out there is there that's giving us a, you know that real level of optimism obviously we can see ai and so forth coming but it's a pretty dark picture out there. That doesn't mean that there isn't great opportunities for those agencies, but it but it's tough. Yeah, I've, some of the conversations I've had in the last couple of months with agency bosses, they they sort of sound they don't sound pessimistic, but they sound a little bit tired and frustrated. I would say compared with a year ago. I think a year ago people were saying, "I can't believe how good it is post pandemic and business is flying in so many areas and it's much better than we expected." Now. They're optimistic, but they all sound a little bit more jaded for some reason, perhaps for the reasons you said. I think being an agency boss during these last few years has been exhausting, you know, and, you know, we've had a number of agency bosses in here that were, you know, really talking about actually how they needed to to really spend so much time, you know, with their people helping to navigate all of these these. Um, these issues that I think it's it's tough at the top, right? And what's the toughest bit? Is it the people management side of thing? I sense that that talent and talent acquisition and talent retention has become a real tiring thing for bosses. 
And I think it's just dealing with the level of issues that are coming forward and being able to plan for those effectively with your clients and therefore managing your staffing profile and all of those things. And also, you know, it's flipped a lot, hasn't it? One minute we thought we had this crisis and then it's moved into a different crisis, for example, around talent and people. So I think I think it's quite tough. And, and I think being that firm tiller at the hand and being able to motivate and move everybody forward, you know, as leaders need to right now, that that's quite tiring. Everyone needs a holiday. I think so. So thinking of holidays, actually, I think one of the biggest changes that we saw last year was us sort of slightly moving to the European model. And there seem to be so many more clients, businesses taking the summer off effectively. And I remember Alex Myers and I, um, Alex from Manifest, talking about the fact that there'd been a real shift around pitching during that time and the pitches that you'd normally see in September actually moved into October um, because people are taking that time off, which effectively I think is a very healthy thing to do. But can we all see that happening? Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like the, like you say, the continental model where all the French or the Italians just disappear in in August and and take proper family time. I mean, I think it's probably a a likely thing and maybe not a bad thing. What about you? Oh, I think it's a very good thing. Um, but I think it just means that when people are planning around, you know, new business and staffing and so forth, actually seeing that as a trend and planning for it. Because I was trying to do an awful lot last year and I was tearing my hair out when I was like, oh, I was getting another see you in September. Um, but I think as long as you can plan for it, you know, and actually start to see it for the trend that it is, then I think it can only be a healthy thing for everybody. And something we noticed on PR Week was that September, early September has been quite quiet in the in the past couple of years. So maybe that, is part that of slowdown that of the summer actually starts affecting the early autumn as well, which I think it's it's more difficult for us because I think by September we want things to get going again. So you don't want this hangover of the summer going on too long. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's many more tables to come, aren't there, John? I'm just thinking, can you give us any highlights of, of what's to come over the over the next week or so? Yeah, well, we're going to be rolling out all of our top 150 coverage across the entirety of May, actually. Um, so we have this week, we have um, tables on the newest agencies in the list, which is very interesting, actually. I won't give that away. Um, we have uh, the fastest growing. We have the biggest agencies outside London, the biggest independents. And then we have our sector tables too. And the sector tables were always very interesting, seeing the biggest agencies by the different different sectors that exist. Particularly interesting to see specialists versus the divisions of the, of the global behemoths and so on. Um, but there'll be some really, uh, really interesting um, nuggets of information to come out from that. So stay tuned to, to PR Week because it's all incredibly valuable stuff. I just wanted to say, Frankie and John, that congratulations for a year of PR Week podcast. Oh, because wow. We're I still here, aren't we? Insert sound of uh, champagne cork popping here. Yeah. Probably, campaign have probably got some upstairs in their fridge. Probably okay. grab that. <laughs> Yeah, we, don't get, we do get sent champagne, so it's not entirely true. Not enough. Oh, well, thank you to you both as well. It's, no, been, a, it's been a great year. And I would say I really can't believe um, how, how far it's gone. And I really wish we'd kept the, the bloopers and the edits from all of the out, out, out bits as well. I'm sure that would have been a great show. But thank you to, the, to you both as well. So that actually brings us to the end of this week's show, though. Um, big thanks to both Danny and John for joining us and to the whole of the PR Week team, who I'm sure have worked incredibly hard on delivering this year's uh, Top 150. I think this possibly runs as your second most favourite job after the Power Book, John. What would you say? It's a tough one. It's a tough one, frankly. John loves it. <laughs> 
And of course, many congratulations to all those agencies that have had a stellar year. And to those that haven't, I'm sure you'll be back next year. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to the show and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 